Um, God's really good. Excited about what he's doing. We just came off a 21-day fasting and prayer um, period and just believing God's creating a lot of momentum and a lot of uh, good things are opening for us as we just um, invested our lives into him. About football Sunday, I will be representing the Steelers next week. So I want to... I want to encourage you to bring uh, your jersey, wear your jersey, and I bet you there'll be more representation of the Steelers in this room than any other team. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That was a challenge, wasn't it? (laughs) All right. Uh, As always, we want to welcome our um, live stream audience. It's an awesome, uh, awesome honor that you would join us week after week. Some people in other parts of the world... Africa and Europe and different places regularly join us, and it's, it's just awesome to have you guys join us. Um, if you are a note taker, we have in our app the notes for this message and every message, so um, if you don't have that, you could download that, um, but the notes for this message will be in there. And we are in the third week, continuing a series uh, about our vision, calling, calling it uh, Own the Vision, Own the Vision. And really, it's communicating who we are as a church, what God has called us to, and what we're going after. And um, really talking through the values, the things that uh, help shape and help direct us toward that vision, toward the fulfillment of the vision that God has given us. So today, um, I want to just start off with a a few thoughts related to the topic I'm going to talk about. Um, I remember as a young kid, and maybe this, perhaps this happened to you as well, you begin to get asked the question, um, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or maybe you weren't asked it, maybe you started to talk about it. You, you had some influential person in your life, a fireman, a police officer, uh, a politician, I don't, I don't know how that could work out, but, um, you know, something, something that um, caused you to aspire to be something that um, you could be when you, when you grew up. And actually, let me just take that back. We need good politicians, don't we? So, you know, we do have a history of seeing corruption and things like that, but we need good politicians. And, and so I don't want to taint that perspective for some people when they grow up. It'd be a, an aspiring thing to do. But uh, I remember thinking through that and being asked the question, and as you get older and go to school, you begin to think about it more, especially as you near the end of your high school, because everyone's asking the question, what is next? What, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, and most people don't have an answer, but they feel pressured to provide an answer. I'm going to this college, or I'm going to do this, or I want to be this. And uh, a lot of times, uh, they don't end up being that, but it's, it's sort of like where they're at at that moment, you know? And even as you grow into adulthood, maybe you finish college and you're still thinking, what do I want to be when I grow up? I was in my 30s asking that question to myself. I, don't, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, you know? Or uh, was just being challenged by my purpose in life, you know? Well, where am I going? What am I doing? What am I here for? And, and that's sort of like the question that a lot of us wrestle with. What, what am I here for? What is, what is my purpose in life, um, you know? And, and I want to talk to you about that today. I, I think the Bible helps us 
with this because the reality is for most of us, it doesn't matter if you're a policeman or a fireman or a, a school teacher or a politician or whatever you do, you know, whatever you do, it, it's less about what you do and more about who you are. You understand? It's more about who you are. And, and sometimes we tie who I am or, or who we are to what we do. And there's two separate things. You get that? There's two separate things because I think the Bible is clear. Today I want to talk to you about the value. If you look on our bulletin, you'll see that there are four circles. One of the values that we have that help direct us toward fulfilling the mission that God is giving us uh, is stated like this. We are growing to be more like Jesus. And so when we ask the question to ourselves, what am I here for? What is my purpose in life? I think one, one resounding, one strong answer to that question could be, I'm called to be more like Jesus. I'm called to grow to be more like Jesus. And I want to share with you a couple scriptures that uh, really help to um, identify where we landed on this topic. Romans 8.29 says this. Romans 8.29 says, For those God foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So, in essence, it's saying it was God's plan that you would be like his son. You you would be like Jesus. God foreknew you. He also predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's an interesting way of saying Like he would be a big brother to a lot of people that look just like him. You understand that? As followers of Jesus, it's God's purpose and plan that we become uh, more like Jesus every day. There's another verse that I'll share with you in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we'll touch upon this one briefly, but I want to talk about this more later. Uh, It says this, 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all, with unveiled face, meaning um, there's nothing covering our ability or or, uh, limiting our ability to see, right? There's nothing blocking our ability to see. We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Um, so there's this transformation happening. There's this transformation. When we behold the Lord, we become transformed into his image, into his likeness. And so to help, help you understand this, um, I, I want to go back a little bit. Because when we talk about God's purpose for his people it's hard to not at least have the, the foundational understanding of what, what God's plan was when he created mankind. He says in Genesis 1 that he made us in his image and likeness. In God's image and likeness. He doesn't, the Bible doesn't tell us that we were made in God's image or any other being. Let me say, this, say it this way. The Bible doesn't say that any other living creature was made in God's image and likeness. Just mankind. Just mankind. You know, the lions, the baboons, the elephants, any living being 
was not created in God's image and likeness. Only men and women. Only men and women. So, to understand God's purpose, we, we see that God made us to be like him. And, you know, that would lead to a question like, well, how am I like God? That's a great question. Well, you're like God in, uh, from the angle or from the idea that we, you're a spirit being. You're, you will live, your spirit's going to live forever. Your spirit's going to live forever. This body eventually will die, but my spirit is going to live forever. We're eternal beings. Right? And really, it's what we do on this earth while we're here, who we believe, who we follow. If we receive the gift that Jesus Christ made available to us, forgiveness of our sins, we end up eternally with God. If we reject the gift that Jesus Christ has freely made available to us, we end up eternally separated from God. But our, our spirits live forever. Okay, so we're, we're spirit beings. That's like God. We're also, we have an intellect that's unmatched, you know? We, we can reason. We can think. We can solve problems. We're relational. Uh, that's like God. We're relational. He, he, he made us to be amongst other people. We need other people. We need each other, you know? Lone Rangers don't typically do all that well. On a, a lot of different levels, you know, emotionally, spiritually, physically. We, we need each other, you know. So when we talk about likeness of God, um, the last one I would mention is, mention is a moral consciousness. You know, his law is written on our hearts. We know the difference between right and wrong. And we feel it when we do wrong. We know it deep down in our, our spirit. There's, there's something about the, the, the actions that we've taken that are wrong, you know, and that tends to lead to guilt and shame, feelings of condemnation, um, you know, things like that. But thank God that Jesus has made a way for all that to be dealt with. So, so on the topic of we were created to be like God, the Bible says that we all possess, all of mankind possess or were created with this, this concept of being made in the image and likeness of God. However, going back to the beginning, I said that Adam and Eve were crea created like that. They also um, brought into um, humankind's history an issue when they sinned. They... they they brought into humankind's history this, this um, issue of sin. Because, I mean, we literally even see after the sin took place in Genesis chapter 3, the next chapter, a brother is murdering a brother. You know? Um, Adam's trying to hide from God. Adam's blaming his wife. He's got guilt and shame and, uh, you know, fear and things like this was not part of God's plan. So we, we know that sin impacted God's ultimate plan for mankind. 
right? We, we, we understand that as we, as we read the Scriptures. When God says, let us make man in our image and our likeness, something happened because of sin that messed up or interfered with um, temporarily God's plan. And because of that, the image became distorted to some degree. Um, sin became a normal part of mankind's life. And Jesus had to come. This is what happened. God sent Jesus. He, he sent Jesus on a mission to restore the image. To restore uh, the image that, that was lost or was damaged or tainted or infected, if you will. Depends on how you want to describe it. So what is the full image and likeness of God look like? It looks like Jesus. I, I want you to get that. When, when, you, when you look, when, when you consider the scriptures, when you consider all that God has told us through the scriptures, Jesus came to restore what was lost. Most of us would not argue with that. But when we, when we question or uh, we think about what, well, what does this look like? What was God's original intent or plan? It looks like Jesus. Jesus in perfect relationship with the Father. Jesus without sin. Jesus didn't have issues of jealousy and gossip and sickness and, and all those things. Why? Because he's the perfect representation from heaven of what the image and likeness of God looks like. And the cool thing about all of this is he came to restore us to that. That's why our value, this is so vital for us to get, our value is we are growing to be more like Jesus. Which means as we grow to be more like him in our understanding and awareness and, and um, experience and living out this, this Christian faith, we become less like the person we used to be. Right? We don't struggle. I don't know what you struggle with, but I struggled in life. You know? And the more I look at what I used to be, I realize how different I am today than I was 20, 30 years ago. Radically different. You know? Because I'm growing to be more like Jesus. The Bible says the old is gone and the new has come. And so this is important for every follower of Jesus to understand. It, in one sense, it's a process, meaning, you know, um, spiritually speaking, it happens in a moment. Practically speaking, it needs to be lived out. Spiritually speaking, the Bible says that the old things are gone, the new has come. Practically speaking, even after the old was gone, I still had to work out the old out of me. You understand? I, I still had to realize, wow, okay, uh, you know, I made a choice. God is alive in me. I don't need to give into those things. I don't need to habitually do the things I used to do. I can, I can, I can uh, not, I, I'm in a position where I don't have to be ruled by that anymore. And then it comes back down to our choices to start living differently. So um, we are growing to be more like Jesus. And the Bible says when, when we think about Jesus, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, right? So when we're made in the image and likeness of God, when, when you think about God, the best representation we have on earth is Jesus, because that's what the Bible tells us. Hebrews, Colossians, 
He's the visible image of the invisible God. And the Bible also says that he's the exact representation of his being. You want to know God, you want to see God, look to Jesus. He's the exact representation of his being. You don't even have to question the character and the, how God thinks and how God functions because we look at Jesus and the Bible tells us, look at Jesus and you'll see it. I think it was John 14 that it might have been Philip, one of the disciples said, well, you know, how do, how do we know God or, you know, how do we know where you're going? And, and, and they're asking these questions about God and how would they, uh, I, I, I don't know the exact, I can't frame it exactly word for word, but in essence, they were asking Jesus questions. And I think it was Philip, he, he said to Philip, Jesus did, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus is this representation of the Father. And so here, the Bible teaches us that God wants us to grow spiritually to look like Jesus, to carry that image and that likeness, and to represent God. Um, There's this quote I want to share with you from a Hindu professor it's interesting. It says this. Uh, a, Hindu, uh, a Hindu professor identifying one of his students as a Christian, he understood that one of his students was a Christian, he said to him, if you Christians live like Jesus Christ, India would be at your feet tomorrow. But that's really the, our purpose, is to live like Jesus, to look like Jesus to the world. Right? And it, it's not some impossible thing. It is a process. And, and let me just say, it's fair to say this. Some of us can use that word process as an excuse, meaning, well, you know, I am in process. Yeah, but you've been in process on the same thing for the last 15 years. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I get it, you're in process, but let's move to the next step in the process. Okay? Don't keep on going around the mountain or, or dealing with the same thing when you have victory over that, same, that thing. You understand? Like, keep moving forward. We don't want to use it as an excuse, but we also don't want to use it as a point of condemnation. You know? Like, meaning point the finger at, at somebody because we're in process too. You understand? There's got to be grace there. There's got to be grace to understand that just because I'm here and you're there doesn't mean I'm better than you, doesn't mean that uh, you're this horrible Christian. I mean, process is process. God is gracious, and we need to have the same grace toward people. We, we really do. So um, I, I want to just share with you a few different thoughts as it relates to growing to be like Jesus. What, is, what does that look like for us today? And I think of some of, the, some of the key aspects of Jesus' life that it is important, it's imperative to us to grow in, okay? And the first one is the relationship that he had with the Father. I mean, this was amazing. He had this intimate relationship. He was so close. He heard God's voice regularly. He, he obeyed his father in heaven, you know? Um, he, he, he was just, 
He was dependent upon his father to guide him and direct him. You know, Jesus had this amazing relationship with his father. And when I think about this, it's almost like, you know, one of the, one of the complimentary things most of the time that we give to people who have children or, um, you know, there's a phrase out there like father, like son. You know, and if your kids, you're proud of him or her and they're doing good things, that's a very complimentary um, type of thing. Like, yeah, that makes me feel good as a dad to say he's just like you, you know. Now, if I was living a different life and someone said that, that might have been like some, some jab at me, you understand? But even like when, when someone would say, your kids are not necessarily are just like you, but they spit an image. They look just like you. Like, yeah, that, that's, that's it. I, and I think this is like the type of pride that the Father had in Jesus and the type of pride that the Father has in us. We don't think about it that way. But we're made in his image and likeness. Like he looks at us with pride and confidence and love and passion. You know, we, we've got to get rid of that, that old thought that, you know, I used to have personally like God is, God is out to get me and he's a- always angry with me and he's difficult, to, impossible to please. Like God is a loving father. He's, and he's drawing us closer to him. And the closer we get to him, the more we're changed. I want to share with you two verses related to that. The first one, John 17. This is Jesus, the great high priestly prayer. It's near the end of his life. He's about to go into the garden of Gethsemane. Uh, And he says this. He says, righteous father. This is John 17, 25 and 26. Righteous father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And though, excuse me, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Here's Jesus. He has this relationship. I know you and you know me and I want the people that are with me to know you in the same way I know you. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, if we were saying that as a prayer or a declaration to God, like, I know you. You know I know you. I know your ways. I've seen how you operate. I know what you're thinking. You know, I can complete the sentences that you start. I know you. I know you. And I want people around me to know you in the same way. That's what Jesus is saying. I want these people that you've given me to know you in the same way I do. So he has this relationship with the Father. He came to reveal this relationship with the Father because, uh, frankly, in those days, the Father was not known like he's known today. The Father was not known. In fact, Jesus began to introduce this semi-revolutionary concept. He would say, I I want you to pray like this, Our Father. And he would talk in parables and, and say, and even like in the Sermon on the Mount, your father. But you look, there's, there's, not, um, there's not language like that in the Bible prior to this. The father's mentioned just a few times as a father in the Old Testament. As a father. He's mentioned as God. He's mentioned as Jehovah Jireh and all these different names. But father is, is, 
is a newer, more used concept when, when Jesus comes on the scene because he wants us to know him in that way. So he came to reveal the Father. And he came to reveal what being in relationship with the Father, in a healthy relationship with the Father, looks like. So going back to that passage I shared earlier, I just want to I want to spend a little bit more time on this. When we talk about the relationship that he had with the Father, 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. This is the New American Standard. Um, I chose to use this because this was the first time I was exposed it was a New American Standard. It was the first time I was exposed to this verse. And I just always remember the context of this. The context is so powerful. In fact, I, I want to just uh, read it to you. You won't have these scriptures on the, on the screen. But Paul is writing to the Corinthians. And he's wanting to help them understand the difference um, that Jesus coming to the earth made. They were... Uh, Followers of God, especially Jews, were under the law. And he's trying to help them understand that this is, this is different. There's a glory of a new covenant, a new promise. And he says this. He makes reference to Moses. Do you remember? You might remember Moses went to the mountain and spent 40 days on the mountain of God. He met with God. And he came down and his face shone. I mean, his face was so bright with glory that the Israelites had to ask him to put a veil over his face. You remember that? Well, this touches upon that concept. It says, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was the law, which was engraved in letters on stone, referring to the Ten Commandments, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. Now let's just pause for a second. This could be really confusing. I don't want it to be confusing. In essence, what Paul is saying to the Corinthians is, what was, what was overwhelming to the point that they had to put something over his face to hide it is nothing compared to what it is now, the glory that followers of Jesus carry. It's, it's nothing, it's zero compared to what we have as believers in Jesus Christ now. It, it says, what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory or temporary came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? And so then we go into this passage, and I'll read it in the NIV. Um, it says this. Let me just see if I want to read another verse before that. Okay, yeah, I will. Verse 13 in this 2 Corinthians 3, it says, We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Because... Um, that was temporary. Do you remember? It was, his face shone for a while, but it wasn't permanent. You get that? That's why, they, uh, that's why we read the word transitory. Um, but it goes on to say, But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But what, 
Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And we all, with unveiled faces, reflect the Lord's glory. What was is like next to nothing compared to what is now is surpassing. It's permanent, it's powerful, and it's, it's radiant beyond belief. Now, you don't see it on you. You understand? But people see it on you. People see the glory of God on your faces. Did you ever run into somebody and immediately, I was just sharing with this, this with the school of ministry the other night. Did you ever run into somebody and just after a few words, no, like that's a brother in the Lord. That's a sister in the Lord. Like our, our hearts immediately connect, unite. Our spirits are like, yeah, that, I, I know that. I, I, I saw God on, I saw God moving on their lives. And, and, and what we're reading here is this. And I haven't even gotten to the point of why I wanted to read that verse. But here's what I want to say to that. Please, I'm not going to keep you too long. But longer than I wanted to. I'm just kidding. It says, 2 Corinthians 3.18 again. We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. That word behold is not just to see. It's just not to see visibly. It means to fix our gaze upon. To fix our gaze upon. So when, when we, we, we become like Jesus as we behold him in his word. We become like Jesus when we fix our gaze upon Jesus. When we behold him in his word. That word behold. Fixing our gaze. And that word changed. It goes on to say this. That I have made... Uh, Transformed. We are being transformed. That word transform carries this idea almost like um, transfigured, metamorphosized, like a, like a caterpillar to a butterfly. When we behold the Lord, you want, change happens when we behold him, when we see him, when we spend time in his presence. We're changed. We're changed more to be like him. This is so important to understand because, listen, as we behold him in his word, we see him stretch out his hand of compassion to a leper. And we begin to have compassion. It changes our heart. Do you understand that? We, as, we, as we see him reach out to the woman that was caught in adultery, judgment quickly flees from us. And we begin to, have, we, we begin to feel for the woman who was being unfairly judged in comparison with the guy she was with, Where's he? I mean, he, he did no wrong, and they're good about to stone her. And Jesus said, let him who has no sin cast the first stone. And we begin to think a little bit differently. But, but quickly, if, if we're not beholding God and we're not being transformed into his glory, we want to we be judges too, and we want to throw stones at people. You understand? We're not meant to throw stones. Jesus didn't throw a stone. He stops people from throwing stones. I think sometimes we're more known for throwing stones than we are for extending grace. That's a problem. You understand what I'm saying? So, um, you know, he had mercy on this woman. As we see Jesus resist temptation, these, these temptations from Satan, we begin to see, wow, I can resist temptation too. I can overcome things that are very strong coming against me. See, we behold him in his word. And it begins to change us and give us hope because what seems impossible is no longer impossible because we're becoming more like him. 
as we gaze on Jesus hanging on the cross and we hear him say, Father, forgive them. We realize that forgiveness is possible. I mean, here's a guy who's 100% innocent, didn't deserve to be hated, didn't deserve to be spit upon, and, and didn't deserve to be opposed. He was very gracious, kind, and loving, and yet he's, he's asking the Father to forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And yet we struggle to forgive people because they give us, you know, they pass by us without saying hi, or they, they didn't fulfill some menial expectation that we had, you know? And all of a sudden, division comes, and relationships are broken. Like, I'm convinced most relational issues are tied to unforgiveness. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, and was innocent. Most of our relational issues, there's two parties. Both have a, po- a role to play in it, and we need to forgive. We need to forgive better. So we, we begin to be changed as we begin to see um, these things in the Scriptures. Jesus in the, in the garden, he says, you know, he's bleeding. He's, he's sweating drops of blood because of the stress and the agony. And he wants the father to present a, a plan B. But he says, even if you don't have a plan B, it's not my will, it's yours. You understand, like, as we behold him in his word, it changes us. As we behold him um, in our worship, it changes us. It changes us because we understand, uh, we understand this more as, as we go back to the concept that we were made in his image and likeness. And so we worship him for who he is. We see him for who he is in our, in our mind's eye, in our spirit. And we, we, we understand that he's a holy God. He's glorious. He's loving. He's kind. And we f- reflect him as in a mirror. I want you to get this passage. I mean, you need to just chew on it for a while. Like, as we behold him, we reflect him as in a mirror. Now, most of you, I hope, this morning got up and looked in a mirror. Some of you, I could tell, did not, okay? But, I just kid it. That's just all a joke. But we begin to reflect him when we behold him. When we worship him, we become, we reflect him. This is the picture that happened with Moses. Moses was up on a mountain for 40 days. He came down carrying the glory of God. And we just read that what he carried is nothing in comparison with what we carry. You understand? And so as we're in his presence, we carry this amazing glory, this amazing glory of God. Now, the thing that limits our ability to walk in the power of that glory when people, see, like, I want you to know, when you want to, if you want to see God, you're looking, you're, you're looking at someone that looks just like him. You understand that? If I want to see God, I'm looking at people that looks just like him because you're made in his likeness and image. You don't understand that. Like, the world could beat us down and make us feel invaluable and, and not cared for and rejected and, like, broken beyond belief, but we are image carriers of God. But how that image is best reflected is when we spend time in his presence. So here's the deal. We were made to reflect him, but, but when we're not reflecting him, it's because we're not with him. We're not, we're not beholding him. We're not spending time with him. We're not being changed by him. But you know what we are reflecting? If we worship money, 
We're reflecting things like greed, like, you know, uh, the, the things that come with that, stinginess. You know, if we worship, and I know no one in this room would say, I worship money. No one would say that. But in the actions, there's things that we, we make higher or more important in our lives than God. Right? Lynn, you got to come up and just help me close because this is only 1.1 of 0.4, but I'll just, I'm just going to close. Some of us, we're, we're like more caught up in power and we want to control people and manipulate things and, and, you know, we're not happy until we have our way and it's got to be my way and no other way. And we reflect that more than we reflect God. Do you understand? Like idolatry and the worship of other things cause us to reflect that more than we do God. See, the world needs to see God, but he's only, the world is only going to see God through people like you and me. And it's only going to see God when we behold him, when we're transformed by him, when we spend time in his presence. And that's about all I got to say today. <laughs> I, I, I want to close with this. I want to close with this one thought. Today is what we call the group's fair. And one of the ways that we behold God, one of the ways that we're transformed by him is by being around people that have been transformed by him or in the process of being transformed by him because we are growing to be more like Jesus. And groups, our groups are so vital to get us in the in the atmosphere and around the company of people that are going after God like we are. And we have all kinds of topics that people can sign up for. But growing is not just, I'm filling my head with meaning, meaningless, useless knowledge. It's, it's transformation at the core of who we are. And, you know, the reality is Sunday morning for one hour, one and a half hours, isn't going to totally transform us. We need to be in God's presence through worship and in God's word through study and, and hearing his voice regularly. And one of the tools, and we even see this in the early church, was the gathering of brothers and sisters together. They used to meet from house to house. For some of these groups, it will be from house to house, you know. Some of the groups will meet here. But I want to encourage you to be a part of a group during the week. I want to challenge you to do that. Make room in your life to do that. Busyness is another idol. And we need to make room for God in our lives. If you've never taken the growth track, that would be a starting point. If you have taken the growth track, there's probably, I think there's 11 other group options Marriage help, learning how to lay hands on the sick and get and see healing and, and all these different amazing groups, how to love like Jesus loved, all these different groups. Um, and so as you go out there today, I want to encourage you before you leave the building to check them out and find one that would fit your schedule and your interests, all right? Would you stand in as we close in prayer? I want to pray for you today. It's not at the snap of the finger that automatically we become super mature Christians. But there does take an investment on our part. Amen?
Number one thing, we need to be with Jesus. We need to spend time in his presence. But then we need to be around other people. So I just encourage you to be a part of something that will change your life. Because just imagine what your life could look like as you reflected more of Jesus, as you become more like him. Think about all the issues that would fall to the wayside. Think of how grace would overwhelm unforgiveness, you know, kindness and love and patience with people. Like we stress ourselves out over things that really, you know, they don't matter. They don't matter. And so I'm just going to pray for you. Father, today we give you praise. We thank you for what you're doing, God. I pray that you move powerfully in our lives, God, that you help us, Lord, to fulfill your purpose to become more like Jesus. Lord, I want, I want people, Father, who run into people from this church to say, man, that person is a godly person. That person, just meeting them that one day changed my life because meeting that person was like meeting God. Father, we want you to have your way in our lives, God. Let your will be done. Let your ways be our ways, God. We thank you for it, God. We honor you today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. If you need prayer for any reason, we'll have our ministry team up here. Otherwise, sign up for a group on the way out.